Now, we've been in this series called Flipped, and one of the things we've been talking about in this series is about how young people are underestimated, how they're looked down on. In fact, the bar for you, the standard for you has been set low. And the truth is what we know in, in business, what we know in life, what we know in, in culture and society is that when the bar is set low, people typically rise to where the bar is. And what we see that the scripture, the Bible gives us a completely different picture of what that looks like, especially for young people. That we don't need people to make excuses for us. That we don't, we don't need people to set the bar low because actually God uses many young people all throughout the Bible to do unbelievable things. In fact, we see David at 15 years old when he slayed Goliath. No other man would step up, but David stepped up. We see Mary, young Mary, the mother of Jesus in her early teens when she has Jesus and raises him in his early years as a teenager. We see that all of the disciples except for Peter were teenagers when, when Jesus called them to follow him. And so all throughout scripture, we see people, God using young people to do amazing, unbelievable, awesome things. And the core scripture that we've been going after throughout this series in 1 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 12. And the interesting thing about this passage is that Paul is challenging young Timothy, who, who is a, a little bit insecure about the significant difference he can make as a young pastor, someone that Paul has mentored and raised up, and now he's leading a church. And Paul says this to him, Do not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And so what Paul is saying here is like, hey, listen, you can be a tone setter. You can be an example. You can, when everyone else around you, even adults, are compromising in these areas, you don't compromise in these areas. And when you are an example in these areas, people take notice and people stop look down, looking down on you. And over these last several weeks, we've been looking at these different areas of an example that we're supposed to be in and how to be an example in those areas. How to be an example in speech, which we talked about the first week, with our tongue and the power of our tongue. We talked about how to be an example in faith. We talked about how to be an example in love. And we talked about how to be an example in conduct or how we live our life. And tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to be an example in purity. We saved the best for last. Because you cannot talk about purity and not talk about sex. Somebody's with me. And, uh, and so we're going to have a conversation tonight around purity. And we're going to have a conversation tonight around sex. In fact, I think it's interesting. I taught, you know, I taught the students. I've been a youth pastor for a long time. And as I've been a youth pastor, the three most common questions that most youth pastors get are this. The first one is this. Uh, it's something about sex. It's some question about sex. That, that's kind of the general category. The second kind of question that most people give is, uh, is something about the end times. Like how's all the things going to end? Is something about the end times. And the third most prominent question is, will there be sex in the end times? That's kind of like the progression that the questions go that I get. And the truth is, is that, man, we're inundated with it in our culture. We're asking questions. We're thinking about it. We're having conversations. Some of us are. And, and, and so, and so let's, let's talk about what the Bible says about it. Let's talk about how God feels about it, how God thinks about it. I think what happens is that when the church is silent on this, we allow culture to begin to define in our hearts and minds what we should or shouldn't believe about certain issues, and particularly an issue like sex. 
And so we're going to talk about that for a minute. And I think this, the truth is that your view of sex and your understanding of God's plan for sex will have a major determination on how you fight for purity. In fact, the bottom line for what we're going to talk about is this. I want to challenge you to fight for purity, to fight for purity in your life. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you want to take notes, we're going to, we're going to be given that. You've got a piece of paper there on your table. There's a Bible's under your seat. We're going to, I'm going to be challenging you with some of this stuff. Now, I understand when I talk about fighting for purity, this does not just refer to purity in the arena of sex. See, purity is anything that's tainted. Anything that is tainted. And so it can be any sin in your life that, that makes you impure. But we're going to use sex as a part of the example for this. But the truth is it can be anything. The second thing I know is this is that not every person in this room is struggling with this issue. There's this common misconception among teenagers that everyone's doing it. That it's in my face all the time. And the truth is, is that the studies show, the research shows that most high school kids are graduating high school as virgins. That's what the studies show. Now, it doesn't feel that way at times because people are always talking about it. In fact, studies also show that juniors in high school, that only 15% of them in the research have, have said that they are, have actually had sex, meaning that of those who have finished their junior year of high school, 85% of them are virgins. So not everyone is doing it. And studies also show that that number is decreasing more and more, that less and less people are engaging in sex because of all the things that surround it. So I want to challenge you and I want to let you know that I realize this isn't a struggle for everyone and I'm not going to talk to you as if it is, but I am going to talk to you in a way to help you understand and see how sin takes root in your life and you can apply it to sexual sin, but you can also apply it to any other issue, any other sin that you're dealing with, any other struggle that you have. I want to also say that the Bible defines it clearly. The Bible teaches us that sex is a gift from God. It was God's idea that he created it and put it and put one rule, one boundary around it. And that is this, is that sex is for only a man and a woman in the context and covenant of a marriage relationship. That any idea of sex outside of that boundary goes against God's plan for sex. And God's pretty serious about it. In fact, there are 47 verses in the Bible on sexual sin. 47. Like if God says something once, that's enough because he's God. If he says it twice, I better like take note. If he says it three times, I better memorize it. If he says it 47 times, I better pay attention. This is a big deal to God because marriage is a big deal to God. Marriage is such a big deal to God that he used the relationship of the marriage between a husband and a wife to picture the relationship that exists between Jesus and the church. Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. And so we see this even all the way back in Genesis chapter 2. you got the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24, that whole chapter closes out with this. So a man will leave his father and mother. And be united with his wife, and they shall become one flesh. In other words, they'll, they'll uh, have sex with each other. And uh, that confirms their relationship. That brings them together as one flesh. We even see this later on in Scripture in the New Testament where he talks about, hey, listen, don't make yourself one flesh with all of these different people. That how can you make your, yourself one flesh with all these different people? Because that doesn't make sense. 
It doesn't add up. Why would you do that to your spouse? Why would you do that to the person that you're going to be with? And why would you do that to yourself? Purity matters to God. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says this, marriage should be honored by everyone. In other words, in our culture, when marriage is being under attack, this is something that we need to have a conversation about. It should be honored by everyone. As, and husbands and wives should keep their marriage pure. God will judge as guilty those who take part in sexual sins. In other words, what he's saying here is that sexual purity matters not only outside of marriage, but also inside of marriage. And here's the truth. There's this common misconception that people have that, hey, listen, you know what? I struggle with lust. I struggle with some purity issues. But you know what? One day when I get married, then those struggles will be there no more. And all the married people in the room give a chuckle to that because that's not true. In fact, what I would tell you is, is that right now is the time of your life where you need to be pressing in, where you need to care about the purity of your heart and your life because all of the baggage that you build into your life now, you will carry into your marriage relationship in the future. You say, yeah, yeah, porn will not be an issue for me when I get married one day because then I will have my spouse to look at and be with and that will not be an issue. Uh, false. False. In fact, I would say to you and submit to you this, that as you grow up and you begin to get to that stage where you're dating people and looking to get married and you're walking down that road, if there is purity issues in that person's life, you need to pump the brakes in that relationship. They need to get that right with God. They need to get that right between them and God before you guys ever enter into a relationship with one another. Because it will bring serious damage to your relationships. Marriages are breaking apart left and right. And I will tell you that porn is at the root of a lot of it. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But it's important to have that conversation. The truth is, is that purity matters. It doesn't, just, it, does, it, it doesn't just matter to God, but it also makes sense. Purity makes sense. In fact, check out this video right here to kind of illustrate Maybe. Excuse me. Excuse me. Do you mind taking part in an experiment? We're actually testing people's preference for water. Would you rather drink from this bottle of water or from this bottle? I'll go with that. You instead. know what? I, I think I have good authority. Only one of those people is really sick. What about if I give you five bucks to drink from this one? Five bucks? Five bucks. No. How about if I give you five dollars to drink from this one? No. No? This one? No, thank you. Uh, I, I think I still want that one. How about ten dollars? Ten dollars no. to drink out of this no. one? No. Ten dollars? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Ten dollars? No. Ten dollars no. wouldn't do it? No. <laughs> no. Five bucks. Ten bucks? Uh, no thanks, dude. You want the pure one? Oh, yeah. All right, here you go. Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> right? Like it's common sense. Like students tell me, and I've, I've mentioned this before here at age 12, people tell me all the time, they'll say, hey, man, you got to test drive the car before you take it off the lot. You know what I'm saying? 
you know, you got to make sure that she knows what she's doing before you get in a relationship and get married one day. <laughs> and that's so stupid. Here's why it's stupid, because this is what you're saying. What you're saying is, is that, you know what, I want my girl or my guy to go out and have sex and be involved with a bunch of other people so they can get their practice in before they get into a relationship with me. And this is what happens. They come into your relationship and your marriage like this. And we wonder why there's a breakdown in marriage, intimacy, all across our nation. It's a lie. It's what the world teaches us. In fact, there's something beautiful about coming together in a marriage relationship when you're both pure. And you get to practice together. I got 50 years with my wife. We will figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I'll stop there. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm going to be able to preach the rest of the night now. <laughs> ah, it's good water. <laughs> In the fight for purity, we need to understand how sexual sin works. If you're taking notes of this, sexual sin begins with the eyes. It begins with eyes. You must guard what you let yourself see. It's like what we talked about last week, garbage in, garbage out. If you put healthy things in, unhealthy things in, then unhealthy things are going to come out. If you put healthy things in, then healthy things are going to come out. And listen, there are many people in this room, women and men who are visual, but I can tell you this, God has specifically designed us men as visual. We know this, men. This isn't something that, that we have to play around. We know that we are visual. In fact, Satan tempts Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 visually. He tempts him visually. We see Solomon in the Song of Solomon when he's talking about his girl, this relationship, this godly relationship picture we see. And he talks about her beauty and he starts at the bottom of her feet and works his way up to the top of her head and talking about how beautiful she is. I mean, he is visually attracted to her. We see that King David was pulled into sexual sin, into adultery because he was tempted visually. That he's up on the top of the castle, he's looking out and he sees a woman bathing. It's started in his eyes. We know that we are tempted visually. In fact, there's an old saying, an old proverb that says this, is that your eyes are the window to your soul. But I would say it to you like this. I think Jesus summed it up when he said this in Matthew 22. This is what Jesus says. Your eyes are the lamp of the body. When your eyes are, un when your eyes are healthy, your whole body will also be full of light. But when your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. That means this, that what you put before your eyes affects the deepest part of your being. And here's the truth. In our culture, man, we are inundated with this. In fact, studies say that the average teenager, the average teenager through media sees 14,000 sexual references visually. Through media, the average teenager in a year's time sees 14,000 sexual references visually. It's in our face all the time. And listen, it is affecting us. It's affecting us how we view relationships. It's affecting us how we view different things. And ladies, this is why it's so important for you to be modest in how you carry yourself. So important. 
In fact, Paul tells Timothy just two chapters before this, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young stuff. Two chapters before this, he says this in 1 Timothy 2.9. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, expensive clothing. What he's saying is those things aren't wrong. What he's saying is just don't be dressing to try to draw all this attention to yourself. Hello. But with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. Notice what it says in the Proverbs 31. Ladies, if you want to know the type of woman that you need to aspire to become, it is the Proverbs 31 woman. It is what my wife is. My wife is a Proverbs 31 woman. There are many women in here who read the Proverbs 31 and they say, man, that's the woman that I want to be. And this is what it says in Proverbs 31. It says how, a woman is cl- how this woman is clothed. In Proverbs 31, 25, it says this. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Practically speaking, this is what that means. That means she is not dressing like a hoochie mama. You know what I'm saying? If I was writing the Bible, that's what I'd say. She ain't putting herself out there like a hoochie mama. And listen, not just in public, not just at, like at school during the day, but also through social media. Sometimes we can have this boldness when we're posting things through Snapchat or whatever. We can have this boldness that we may not necessarily have at other times and other places. And we have to be cautious about this, ladies. How are we presenting ourselves? How are we projecting ourselves? Now listen, that does not take the responsibility off of the guys. Men, you can't be like, well, if these girls weren't dressing like this, I wouldn't be lusting. Now you need to man up, take responsibility. Stop trying to be the victim. You're not the victim. And what happens is when you stare those girls down and you start making comments, it affirms what they're doing and then they're going to keep doing it. If you was like, hey, man, I'm not into that. I'm telling you this. If guys stopped going after girls that dress like hoochie mamas, girls would stop dressing like hoochie mamas. Amen? That's the truth. And I'm just saying, you got to be careful what you put out there, what you text, what you, what you, what you do, what you, what you allow other people to see and how you let them see you. And ladies, I want you to think about this. I want you to consider this because, listen, I know that most of you aren't trying to put yourself out there in a way that is making other people lust. I know that's not your heart, and I know you're not trying to do that. I know when you're at the beach with your family or you're at spring break and you're taking pictures of yourself in your bathing suit and you're putting them online, I know you're not thinking like, oh, like people are going to lust after me. I'm just telling you that people do. I'm just telling you they do. And it's not just the cute guy that you want to lust after you. It is the creepy old man who's flipping through online and sees your picture. It's true. It's gross, but it's true. You need to be aware of that. It's sad, but the truth is the number one searched pornography category is teen porn. The number one searched pornography category. Pornography is a $13 billion a year industry. Over 30 million people visit porn sites every single day. And it's not just men. Women are the fastest growing demographic of porn users and have been over the last several years. And we have to be careful what we let in our eyes. We have to be careful what we allow ourselves to see because, man, it can get rooted in our hearts and it can, it can cause some major damage. 
cause some major damage. In fact, I love what Colossians 3, 2 says. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Which gets me to the second part. The second one is this. Sexual sin grows in the mind. Sexual sin grows in the mind. It starts with the eyes, but it grows in the mind. Set your, set your, set your mind on not earthly things, but set your mind on heavenly things. Fill yourself with heavenly things. That's, that's that garbage in, garbage out. Or put healthy things in and healthy things come out. We see this in one of my favorite verses. I actually memorized this verse early on in my faith, and I say it and quote it to myself all the time, but it says this. It's in 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sex itself against the knowledge of God. And here it is right here. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Man, when my mind starts slipping, I start thinking about things. I start starts going places that shouldn't go. I go, uh, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I quote that over and over and over in my head. You're like, dude, you're a weirdo. But hey, man, you do what you got to do. You put God's word in your heart and you begin to dwell on it. You begin to think about it because this is what happened. You see these images and then they get into your mind. And then your mind begins to think on them and you begin to dwell on them. And you start thinking about them throughout the day, throughout the week. And that's where sin begins to take root. And listen, sin begins to grow in the mind. Sexual sin begins to grow in the mind. You start thinking on things. And now all of a sudden you're working your schedule around things. And you're trying to think about when the time you can go look at it is. Or you try to think about different, different ways to, to act out in it and it begins to go in your mind and it begins to get you and this is why sometimes you're in a service and we're having this conversation and God starts tugging on your heart and you start getting a little emotional about it because you're like man I know I shouldn't be doing this I know this is something I don't want to do but man I just keep going back to this and it begins to take root it begins to grow in your mind in fact I would say that in your mind the sexual seed that you let in through your eyes begins to get fertilized and watered and begins to take root and begins to grow in your life and you have to guard your mind. And the third is this. And then sexual sin enslaves you in the heart. It, it enters in through the eyes. It begins to take root in the mind. It grows in the mind. And then it enslaves you in the heart. See, this is what happens. By this point, when it gets to your heart, this is how you can know if it's gotten in your heart. You are convinced that there's nothing wrong with it. See, when it's in your mind, you justify it, but at this point, you're convinced there's nothing wrong with it. You even begin to make excuses. Hey, you know what, man? Hey, we've been, hey listen, we've been in a relationship a long time. Hey, man I, man, I really love him. He really loves me. And you start making, you don't even make excuses for it anymore. You, you have no conviction over it. It's just, you're just giving into it. Hey, man, it's not hurting anybody. All I'm doing is looking at a computer screen. All I'm doing is looking at all my phone. Listen, it's not hurting anybody. And you've convinced yourself that there's nothing wrong with it. And that's what happens when it begins to take root in your heart. You justify sexual sin in your mind, and now you begin to act it out with no conviction. Man, this is a dangerous place to be. See, as a believer, God the Holy Spirit gives us conviction when we sin, when we, when we you know, do things that we know we shouldn't be doing. And, and the Bible tells God has written his law on our hearts. And so we know that. And so that's why like when you mess up or you do something, you're like, dang, man, why not do that? Or you feel bad for it. That's called conviction. But at this point, you begin to harden your heart. And when you harden your heart, there's no longer any conviction. 
There's no longer any conviction. It's kind of like this. It's like the first time you're like on the computer or you're on your phone, you're flipping through, and something pops up on the screen, and you're like, oh, oh man, I got, I got to get that off the screen. And, and then the second time, and then the second time you're on there, and you, it pops on the screen, and you just begin to look at it a little bit. And you click a few things. Ah, oh, man, I shouldn't be looking at this, and you back out. And then you start thinking about it. And so then you go and you start looking for opportunities to go look at it. And it's just occasion. It's every couple days. And then it's every day. And then it's multiple times a day. And then you begin to not even feel bad about it anymore. That is a dangerous place to be. That's where it takes root. Instead of I'm going to tell you, you have to see this. You have to understand this. I could use any sin example of this, but it starts with the eyes. It takes root in the mind and grows in the mind, and then it settles and begins to enslave you in your heart. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you tonight, wherever you may have purity issues in your life, whether it's with sexual sin or otherwise, that you would see that and you would begin to pinpoint what that is and you would begin to give that over to God so that you can break free from it. I love what Proverbs 4.23 says. It's one of my wife's favorite verses. It says, it's above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Notice everything you do, your actions flow from your heart. Everything that you do flows out of your heart. And if your heart is hard, then the things that flow out of your heart will be the same. So what do I do? How do I fight for purity in my life? How do I do that? How do I fight for purity? Well, I, I think that the first is this. You need to saturate your heart and mind with Scripture. David says in the Psalms, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. It is me being a weirdo going, take captive every thought, take captive every thought. Sometimes, man, I'll be at the beach, and I'll be sitting there, you know, and, like, there's some girls walking by, and, you know, they're in their, their bathing suits or whatever, and I'm like, and, and, like, and I want to look, you know, because I'm a man. I'm visually, I'm visually like that, and, and I know that I can look, and I got my glasses on. Nobody can see where my eyes are going, you know, and, uh, and, I'm on, and, and my wife's, like, up the beach talking to somebody, and, and I'm sitting there, and I can do that, and I just begin to say, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. That's what Job says in Job 31.1. I begin to memorize scripture and to share it. It's exactly how Jesus fought temptation. He says, for it is written, for it is written, for it is written. He quotes scripture back to Satan in that situation. And so I saturate my mind and heart with scripture, and I begin to say those things. The second thing is you need some accountability. Don't think that you can battle this stuff on your own. You need someone who can ask you the difficult questions and ask you those questions at freely anytime they want to, and you're going to give them the right answer. You're going to tell the truth. Accountability doesn't work if you don't tell the truth. I got guys in my life that ask me deep, accountable questions all the time. In fact, I got a friend, I call him, and almost every time I call him, the first thing out of his mouth is, is this, hey, man. How are you loving your wife? Oh, <laughs> what do you mean, man? You've been taking her out every week on a date? Well, uh, well, we, 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 the last couple of weeks have been a little busy. Stop making excuses, Derek. Do not need that. He loves me. He cares for me. That's why I asked me, Derek, you looked at porn lately? When was the last time you looked at porn? 
well, uh, and then we have the conversation. When was the last time this? When was the last time this? And we start going down. And then I ask him the same thing. See, there's trust in this relationship. There's vulnerability in this relationship. He's not a threat to me. He loves me. He's my friend. He cares for me. He's going to pray for me. He's going to support me. You've got to have people in your life that know the deepest, darkest corners of your life that can help you, keep you accountable in this time. This is why we do life groups. It's why we do it. It's why we have amazing adult leaders and volunteers here. So that if you're struggling with something, dealing with something, you can go to them at Connection Group and say, hey, man, can I talk to you about something? Can I share something with you? Can you pray for me about this? Can you keep me accountable? Can you shoot me a text every day at 3 o'clock? Because when I get home from school, that's when the temptation hits me the most. And, and they can text you a Bible verse. Or they can tell you, hey, man, if you're really struggling, man, give me a call or text me. And let's, let's get this thing going. Let's have this conversation. Let's help you get victory over this in your life. Man, we care about you. And that's why we set those things in place. But you have to have accountability. And the third thing is you got to set healthy boundaries. you got to set boundaries. Listen, this can be a dangerous thing. There's marriages that are ruined every single day because of this right here. And it's not because people are calling or getting in affairs. It's because porn is ruining their marriages through their phone. In fact, studies show that porn is literally altering our brains. Students, I'm here to tell you that if you got some addictions, you need to make some serious changes in your life in order to get victory over that. And this is what that means. You have to set boundaries. When I go into my room at night, I leave my phone on the counter downstairs. That might be a boundary for you. I don't take it to my bedroom because I know I'll be tempted. Hey, I need to get internet off my phone. Well, if I get internet off my phone, man, I can't tweet, I can't Instagram, I can't Snapchat. Really, really, is your, is your soul worth that? Until you get victory for it, you can't do it. Drastic sins call for drastic measures. If you're in a relationship and the relationship keeps crossing lines and, and, and breaking, breaking through boundaries, you need to set some boundaries in that relationship. And not only do you need to set some boundaries, but you need to set some consequences if those boundaries are broken. Boundaries without consequences make no sense. And so you say, hey, listen, I know we've been crossing some lines, and we're going to draw the line in the sand here, and if we cross it, we're going to have to break up. Until you get your heart right with God, and I get my heart right with God, and we can work this. Because I'm here to tell you, God cannot honor a relationship that is not honoring to him, and it won't work anyway. It won't work anyway. I'm telling you, it won't. It will not have God's favor on it. I don't want to see that happen in your relationships, and I know you don't either. And so it's important for you to set those boundaries and stick to them. So I think it's important for us to understand how to fight. Fight for purity. That's what I want to challenge you with, and this is what I know. I know this, that there's some of you in this room that maybe you're like, you know what, I've crossed lines and I messed up. Things actually have not been going all that great in the area of purity lately. Honestly, I've messed up so many times, I don't even know if God can forgive me or if God can even love me for the things that I've done and been a part of. And I would tell you that God loves you and he can forgive you and he will forgive you. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
that he's there to bring restoration and healing. But this is what he would say. He would say, I forgive you. But just like he told the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, and they bring, they bring this woman in the public square, and they're about to stone her, and they ask Jesus what he should do. And he says, well, he without sin cast the first stone. And it says the men walked away because all of them had sinned. And then she comes over to Jesus, and, and she's there before Jesus. And, and Jesus says this. Jesus says, hey, listen, I forgive you, but go leave your life of sin. That God can forgive you and go leave that life of sin. Leave that behind you. Don't keep going back to it. Get some help, get some accountability, set some boundaries, begin memorizing scripture. Walk in the spirit. I also understand as well that there's some of you in here where your purity in your mind has been taken away from you. Maybe through abuse or whatever. And I'm just going to be honest with you, man. My soul deeply grieves for you. You know, I have a little girl, and I cannot imagine someone putting their hands on my daughter. And you're God's daughter. You're God's son if you're a guy. Because this isn't just a girl thing. This is a girl and a guy thing. And I'm here to tell you that you are not used goods. I'm here to tell you that before God, you are pure, and you've done nothing wrong. And before God, you are 100% pure. You've been a victim. And I want to tell you that because I think it's important for you to know that. That when God looks at you, he sees purity. He doesn't see this. And if you have friends that you know that have struggled with that and they've had that in their past, you need to let them know that. And you need to know that God's love can heal you. His grace can come into your life. He can, he can set you free. He can restore you from all the pain and all the baggage that has been brought about by any experience like that in your life. And I want you to know that. We want you to know that. And that's why we're here. We're here as a church family, to support you, to love you in any situation that you're dealing with, including a situation like that. And so here's the deal. Tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. The band's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in like three songs. The first song is called Give Us Clean Hands, Give Us a Pure Heart. Now, I don't know what area of purity in your life that you need to have a conversation with God about. Maybe it's about something like pornography or maybe it's you've been crossing some lines in a relationship or maybe you've crossed lines in a relationship before or now. Maybe for you it's nothing to do with sexual sin whatsoever. But you know whatever that is, you know how it's got you trapped, you know how there, there is, it's just eating away at you and you feel, like, you feel like this even though it's not a sexual thing. And so we want to, in this song, give you a chance to just sort of reflect. This isn't like for you to be talking with each other and like goofing off. This is actually for you to just reflect. Spend some time in silence and solitude before God. Just say, God, just like David did, search my heart, oh God. 
God, search my heart. Put your finger on it. Anything in my life that I need to give over to you, Lord, would you, would you put your finger on that and reveal that to me? And maybe you know it. Maybe it's clear as day to you. And give it over. And just ask for forgiveness. Say, God, take this from me. Lord, give me clean hands and give me a pure heart.